Give the choir a hand and all the musicians. And I appreciate that so much. Well, this Wednesday night, I want to be sure to remind you that we, we started off last Wednesday with a bang in the book of Romans. We're learning Romans, and it is powerful. Do you know that for the first time, and since I can remember, I forgot the time. And I went 10 to 15 minutes longer than usual, and not one person got clock-eyed. You know what I mean by that? Looking at their watches going, because we were soaking in the Word of God. And this, this week, we're going to finish Romans chapter 2. Listen, the Word of God is what we need. We need to worship the Lord of the Word and then get into the Word of the Lord. And so don't miss Wednesday night. I know that if you can be here, you will. And I want you to say with me, I'm a recruiter. What are you a recruiter for? I want you to find somebody that's going to the second service and tell them they're missing something they're not getting in the second service. You say, well, what are they missing? Not having to wait at restaurants. <laughs> That's what you're missing. So, so in, in recruit, because when this early service is full, then we're looking at three. And now it's growing. It's growing, but I want it full. Now, the only way is for you to convince second service goers that they can roll out of bed if Jesus rose from the dead. So start recruiting. Wait at the doors to see them coming in. Say, hey, lazy, we're done. We're done, and we're going to the restaurant right now. See you there. All right. We're looking at tackling temptation. Isn't that a great picture? The story behind that is, Susie, what are you doing? And she replies, resisting temptation. And how many of you know you can't resist temptation very well looking right at it? All right. We're going to continue today, and I'm going to talk to you out of, I'm going to call this, the, the, the devil didn't make you do it. The devil didn't make you do it. So let's look at what James said. And if you have your Bibles with you, hold them up. Let me see the Bibles that are here. Uh... Good. Don't come to church. Wow. I'm, look at this. Give yourselves a hand. What a beautiful sight. Now, the reason that excites me is the children are about to pass us up. Pastor Ray has those children back there. And this is just real quick. I'll tell you about this and we'll read the word. But he told me they're doing, they're doing this exercise where he will say, uh, he'll say a Bible verse like John 14, 1. And they have to the count of three to find it. And he said, they're getting to it by the count of three. They're finding it. And 50% of the children are themselves, without being told, bringing their Bibles to church. And they're learning the Word of God. And that will never be taken away from them. All right, let's read. And remember, uh, James says, remember something. When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which uh, entice us and drag us away. Now, verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to what? Death. Father, thank You for Your Word today. And I pray that you will deliver us from the hour of temptation by the wisdom that comes from your word. 
in Jesus mighty name can you just pray with me church say Lord speak to my heart and deliver me and keep me in the hour of temptation in Jesus name amen God bless you you can be seated it's going to be good now I know most of you have not yet been tempted this year but I'm sharing this preemptively anybody been tempted this year so far the rest of you, you liar, you're lying. You got tempted to lie and you just, now you have sinned. <laughs> temptation comes to everyone. And we saw this last time. I'm sharing on temptation directly led by the Holy Spirit. I was going to preach on something else. I had another series in mind. And in prayer, I just felt increasingly impressed to share on this. And the input that I've gotten from just last week has been incredible. So it must be that some of us are experiencing temptation, wondering how to get victory over temptation. We saw that temptation comes to everybody. Not one single solitary person is immune to temptation. You're not above it. The Bible says be careful that you think you stand, that you're not temptable, because as soon as you think that, you fall. Everyone in here can fall. There's not one that is immune to stumbling, to falling, to succumbing to temptation. And we also saw that nobody is uniquely tempted in a way that can't be identified with by many others. Your temptation is not unusual or unique or solitary just to you. In fact, we're told that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are, but he never sinned. So whatever you're experiencing in temptation, Jesus felt that temptation, the temptation in that arena of life, just like you. And we also saw something very important last time, that Satan, when he approaches us to tempt us or to bait us, uh, he approaches as an angel of light. He never comes as who he is. He comes as an answer to our need. He comes with what he claims are solutions to our problems. He deals with genuine needs within us. But here's what Satan's tactic always is, to meet a right need a wrong way. There's nothing wrong with most of the things we're wanting. But there is something wrong with how we get it. And I'm going to talk about that today. He offers a wrong path to a right destination. And that's where we stumble and get into trouble. But mark it down, his intent is always to kill, steal, and destroy. How do you know the devil's lying? When he's talking. Because he can't talk without lying. And so his intent when he comes to us is to lie, to twist scripture, to give us a wrong way to a right thing. And he approaches in disguise, masquerading as an angel of light, an answer, something that is good, reasonable, logical, sensible. He disguises himself. He wears a mask. He is the master masquerader. He is always hiding who he really is and what he's really up to. Now today I want to share with you where temptation actually comes from because that's what James tells us in what the text we just read. And in that text, James lays out the steps that a temptation goes through. It's sort of like the anatomy of a temptation. 
He shares with us how it begins, how it progresses, and how it ends. Now he does that so that we can recognize the steps, the process a temptation takes, and bail out before it is consummated or fulfilled or acted on. Now, he begins by telling us something we really need to know, and that is God is never involved in tempting you and me to sin. There is a difference between testing and temptation, and I'm going to deal with that um, next time. But suffice it to say today that God never tempts you and I to something that is wrong. He does not test us by coming to us to tempt us to do something wrong. Because the Bible says God is uh, not temptable. And He tempts no man. James says, remember, when you're being tempted, don't say God's tempting me. God is never tempted, never, to do wrong. And He never tempts anyone. Now, you know, if you know much about history, you know that every civilization has had its gods. Every civilization in the history of the world, all the way back to Egypt, as far back as you want to go, the great civilizations of the world have always had their gods. And do you know that our God stands completely alone and unlike any of the gods this world has ever worshipped? For example, the Greeks... Uh, had many gods. We read about them in Greek mythology, but they were real to the Greeks. They had Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love. They had Apollo, the god of music and the god of healing. They had Zeus, the king of the gods, the ruler of Mount Olympus, god of the sky, god of the weather, god of thunder, law, order, and fate. But when you read about these gods, here's what you find. They were all subject to temptation. They were, they were very human. They were subject to human passions, to failure, to lust. And they also tempted human beings. They tempted humans to do wrong. But not our God. Our God never tempts you and I to do wrong. The Bible tells us that our God, Jehovah God, the God who sent Jesus Christ is untemptable. He cannot be tempted to do wrong. And He tempts no man. When you're in the hour of temptation, you can mark this down. God is not tempting you. Now, why would James need to tell us this about our God? Because Satan masquerades as an angel of light, as we've already said. He masquerades even as God Himself. And one of Satan's tricks with you, the believer, in Jesus Christ, is to persuade you to believe that God Himself is offering you something that goes against His Word. Offering you something that is simple. Making an exception for you. That because He understands your stress level, your problems, your struggles. He's going to make an exception with you and offer something to you that is against the Word of God. The Bible says God never tempts anyone to do wrong, period. He did this with Jesus Christ when Jesus went into the wilderness. The Bible says the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Then watch this. He becomes a Bible scholar. And he says, for it is written, said the devil, 
it is written. Now as soon as he said it is written, what was he doing? Masquerading as an angel of light. It is written. Suddenly the devil, the deceiver, the tempter became a Bible thumper and said it is written. And what did he say? He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He was saying something very familiar. Here's what it was. It's okay, Jesus. God will be with you. The Bible says he'll be with you. God is in this. And that was a lie. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And because he knew the word of God, he answered the devil. But what was Satan doing? Masquerading as God himself, counseling him, advising him, guiding him to jump, quoting the Bible. Masquerading as an angel of light. This is why James warns us, never believe the suggestion that God is saying, it's okay, I'm giving this to you, I'm in it, when it's clearly forbidden in the word of God. Can I tell you, God will never contradict His Word. He will never tempt you to go against His Word. Hey, God spends all His time trying to get us to obey the Word. Much less go against it. So James says, never let the enemy say to you, never let that voice ease up into your mind, in between your two ears, and say to you, I'm making an exception for you. It's different with you. I want you to go ahead and you can do this and I will bless it when the Word of God clearly forbids it. When you hear that voice and you know it's against the Word of God, you need to say, get thee behind me, Satan, for I will not tempt the Lord my God and I will not bite this bait. Now the second thing that James tells us where temptation comes from, here's what he says. Temptation doesn't come from the devil. Temptation originates in your heart and my heart. That's where all temptation begins. Now listen carefully. James 14, uh, 1.14 says, Temptation comes from our own desires. That's where it begins. And what do those desires do? They entice us and drag us away. In other words... When it comes to sin, we've got to own our part in it. Sin begins with you and me in our heart. Isn't that what Jesus said? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the heart come uh, fornications and lies and murders and adulteries and theft. And everything that is wrong, that is sinful, that is against the Word of God originates in your heart and in my heart. Now, we don't like that. We don't like that verse especially in our culture, because what we do in our culture is what's called blame shifting. We blame shift. We blame everybody and everything for our sin, but the right one. How many of you have realized you're never going to get delivered of addictions, never going to get delivered of your sin until you own it? You got to own your part. Now, we're real good. My mama made me do it. Freudian psychology helped us with this a whole lot. Freud taught us everything was mama's fault. So we've learned my mama made me do it. Uh, my friends made me do it. Uh, my spouse made me do it. If it wasn't for my spouse, if it wasn't for my mama, it wasn't for my daddy leaving me when I was three years old, I wouldn't have done these things. If I hadn't have gotten with those people, they made me do it. Comedian Flip Wilson is known for the tongue-in-cheek uh, statement, the devil made me do it. And we want to blame everything 
but the right thing. And James said, no, let me tell you, even Adam, you know, the first blame shift happened in Eden. And what did Adam do? He said, man, if you hadn't given me that woman, this would have never happened to me. If you hadn't given me this woman, she's the one that made me do it. Well, Eve looked around and said, I can't blame him. So she saw the devil and said, the devil made me do it. If that devil hadn't slithered up to me and convinced me to do wrong, I would have never done it. The devil looked around. There wasn't anybody to blame, so he just kept his mouth shut. The statement, I was born this way, is another way of saying God did this. It's God's fault. He did this to me. If I hadn't been born this way, I wouldn't be living this way. That's blame shifting. Folks, let me tell you something. There is something healthy and wonderful and good about saying, against you and you only, I have sinned. I did it. And when you own your sin, when we own our wrong, God's able to reach down and forgive us and deliver us and break Satan's power off of our life. But as long as we're blame shifting, they made me do it, he made me do it, she made me do it, the devil made me do it, you're never going to get set free. We got to get honest with ourselves, church. All temptation begins with us and within us. And apparently James was writing people who were blaming God for tempting them to go into sin. He said, God didn't do this. The devil didn't make you do it. You did it. Now, he says, if you can get to the place where you can own it, you're on the way to being delivered in the hour of temptation. And now James, in the next step of temptation... He deals in fishing language. Now, this is going to get really real, and I'm going to show you how the enemy gets a hook in us. James says, temptation comes first from our own desires. They are hatched in our own soul. The desire that is, that is wrong, the desire that leads us to evil, does not come from the devil. It comes from within us. And then it says, we are enticed because that desire is in us, and we are dragged away. Now, the phrase enticed means baited. And that's fish language. All these uh, New Testament writers were fishermen. A uh, few of them businessmen, but most of them fishermen. And so he's using fisherman language here. And when he says enticed, he says baited. It works like this. A wrong desire arises inside of us. We experience a desire for something. And all that the devil does is dangle the bait that entices us or appeals to that desire. He can't give us the desire. All he can do is bait the desire. And that's exactly what he does. Let me give you an illustration. I, I, I had a boat. I fished in East Texas all the time when I, we lived there and pastored there. And I learned this. I could fish all day with the best bait. The best of bait. I could go spend $20 on a lure. But you know what? If the fish weren't hungry, I got no fish. They had to have a desire for the bait to work. If they didn't have a desire, you know, you come home after a whole day fishing, you say, well, they weren't biting. Why weren't they biting? Because they weren't hungry. See, all I can do, I can't make the fish be hungry. I can only find hungry fish. And when I find hungry fish, out goes the bait, and I tempt them. I bait them. 
I lure them to try to appeal to what's already inside of them. The devil is a demonic, master, evil fisherman. And he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he can't devour you till he's baited you and caught you. And he catches you by appealing to desires that are already in you. Right now, some of you, you've got a lure right in front of you. You've got a lure in your life right in front of you. And the devil's baiting you. Fish bait entices the fish that is already hungry to bite the bait. And that's what a good fisherman does. He makes that thing look real, makes it look attractive. He disguises the hook. He disguises the line. He disguises what's at the other end of that line. He doesn't want the fish to see the hook connected to the line, connected to the boat, connected to the fisherman. So the whole thing when you're fishing is a deception. You're there to deceive the fish. And that is exactly what the enemy does with you and I. That's exactly the language that James is using. It's not the devil that creates the desire. The wrong desire is already there. If it weren't there, the devil would have nothing to work with. If we had no desire, the devil would pack up shop and go home. He can only work with what's already in us. It might be a desire to sexual sin. Or it may be a desire for drugs. Or a desire for alcohol. He baits you. He puts the lure in front of your face. You may have an attraction to gambling. Or to pornography. Or to steal. Whatever the lure is that is in front of you, you've got to understand, God is, James is telling us the desire is in you, the devil's trying to appeal to it, trying to entice you, trying to draw you so that you will bite the bait. And when that fish bites the bait, he comes to a terrible realization. This is not what I thought it was. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to meet my need, but suddenly, James said, we are dragged away. What a great way to put it. Because before you know it, you're hooked. And being dragged against your will. We call this bondage. We call it a stronghold. We call it an addiction. We call it a vice. We call it a habit. But the bottom line is what the enemy was after was to entice you to bite the bait so he could put a hook in your soul. Are y'all with me today? I know this is somber. This is serious stuff, but, but I, don't want, I don't want you to get hooked. I don't want you to be snared. I don't want you to be dragged away we see it all the time. People who you knew, people who used to worship the Lord, people who used to come into the house of God and, and, and enter into His praises, enter into His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise, who loved the Lord, who witnessed everything that moved. But somewhere along the line, there was a desire, and the devil baited them, and that lure came in front of them. Whatever it was, it came in front of them, and they bit it. And when they bit it, they got hooked, and suddenly their life loses control. They're dragged against their will. Now life is all about getting off the hook. 
because you're going now where you didn't want to go. And that's what happens to that fish down there. He bites, and all of a sudden, something's got a hold of him he didn't know was in that. And he's being pulled against his will. He's being drawn towards something he does not want to go to. He winds up in a place he never intended, being gutted and being eaten, when that morning all he wanted was a meal. We got to get smart about the devil, y'all. We've got to get smart that you can't fool with sin and get away with it. You can't go against the Word of God and not be snared, not be hooked. I don't care if you've been spirit-filled for 30 years. The devil will still put a lure in front of you. And right when you think it can't happen to you, there goes this lure. Do, 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 do. It looks real. It seems real. It smells real. It senses real. But it's a wrong path to a right thing. It's a wrong solution to a right need. It is against the Word and the will of God. We're presented with bait that appeals to a desire already lurking within us, and we bite the bait thinking very little will come from it. But you know what? Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know, I think that today I'm going to go out and become a drug addict and destroy my life. No, you're at a party or you're with a group of people and somebody says, hey, try this just one time. There goes the lure. And you've been stressed and you want peace and you want to relax and you want to have a little bit of fun. Life's been hard. There goes the lure. And the enemy says, you need peace. You need a good time. You deserve a break today. And here goes the lure. And you say, well, just this one time, bite. And you didn't know that in it was a hook. There is always a hook. There's always a hook in what the enemy offers you. Always a hook. And you bite it. Nobody wakes up and says, you know, today I'm going to go become an alcoholic and destroy my life, destroy my liver, destroy my body, destroy my health, and go home early. Nobody does that. Somebody offers you, you're somewhere doing something, and somebody says, here, uh, just just once, just, just this time, and then you kind of get into a habit, and before you know it, there you go, and before you know it, the hook is in your soul. It's this way with all of life. Talk about smoking, talk about anything. When you first smoked, you inhaled, it felt like somebody dropped a brick down into your lungs, but you persevered, and now you're hooked. You never intended to have a habit that's ruining your lungs and ruining your body and ruining your life, but there's always a hook to the devil's lures. Loss of control, what was first a choice, is now a must. You know, I have fish enough to discover that a heavy fish can be brought in on a very light line. In the same way, we can be lured into very heavy, sinful circumstances by relatively light, seemingly innocuous temptations. It looks innocent, that's the devil's job. It looks sensible, that's the devil's job. It looks, it looks reasonable, it looks common sense, it looks like it might be an answer. That's the devil's job to make it look that way for you. But there's a hook in it. And suddenly you're being dragged away. Quiet in here today. Boy, it's quiet in here today. And what happens when you bite the bait? James says, here's what happens in the, in the process, in the anatomy of a temptation. You've got a need or you've got a desire. 
The devil tempts you, entices you with a bait, with the lure. You bite it, you're hooked, you're being dragged away. The next thing is, when you bite that bait, it gives birth to a sin. It gives birth to something. He uses the terminology, same terminology you, you would use to explain the birthing of a baby. These desires, he says, give birth, give birth to sinful actions. What had been all in the mind now becomes an action. It was happening all in between your two ears, but now you bit and it's an action. And when that action happened, it gave birth. It gave birth to a baby, the baby called sin. And that baby begins to grow like an unseemly child. It grows. It becomes bigger than you are. Sin never remains stagnant. Let me tell you the truth about sin. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you meant to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Always. Now I'm going to say that again because I'm here to preach up Jesus and preach down the devil. I'm here to tell you the truth about the lures and the bait that are being thrown before you, that there's a hook in them if they contradict the Word of God. So let me say it again. Sin will take you further than you want to go. That fish is being dragged where it never thought that it would go. It keeps you longer than you thought you would ever stay. And it'll cost you more than you were ever originally willing to pay. James says, finally, when the child of sin grows to maturity, it brings death. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It cuts you off from God. It breaks your relationship with God, breaks your relationship with other people, and it puts you into your own little hellhole, sin. The soul that sins, the Bible says, it'll die. Sin's paycheck, the Bible says, is death. What a person sows, that is what he will also reap. But here comes the devil to believers 30 years 40 years in the faith there goes a lure looks good looks right seems right seems like an answer seems like a solution oh yeah i know about that bible verse that tells me i probably shouldn't do that but god is making an exception for me he understands my pain bite it and you do and you find out there's a hook and now you're being dragged away now you're in a cycle of sin. Now it's growing. Now you're giving birth to a child that's growing into an adult, and suddenly you experience death in your spiritual life. Now, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, how is this cycle prevented? Let me give you some very practical tips uh, in closing on what to do in the hour of temptation. First of all, and you might want to write these down, jot these down. You've got to remember these things first. Never do something clearly forbidden in God's Word. Not ever. There will never be an exception. You are not special. You are not unique. Never do what you know is forbidden in God's Word, no matter how convincing it looks or how right it feels or seems. Second thing, share your temptation with a safe prayer partner. See, bringing it into the light, you're going to break more than half its power. Find somebody who's safe. Now, if you're being tempted with lust, don't find somebody of the opposite sex and say, hey, I'm having a real lust problem. Don't do that. Share your temptation with a safe prayer partner. Friend, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. Confess your faults one to another.
Remember, there's nothing that you're experiencing that's not common. So nobody's going to faint when you tell them what you're experiencing. They're probably experiencing the same thing. Third, know that God is able to help you. Our God is able to help you in the hour of temptation. Listen to what the Bible says. This is just one of many, many verses. Jude 1, 24. Now to him who is able. Can you say with me, he is able. What is he able to do? Keep you from falling. And will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. So say with me, my God is able to keep me from falling. Give him a hand of praise. I know that's true. Now here's a fourth thing. Build your strength. You've got to build your strength. Build your strength by reading scriptures that address your temptation. Build your strength. Don't let temptation and an hour of trial get you out of the Word of God. That's the last thing you need to do. Get into church more than you've ever been in church. Get into the Word more than you've ever been in the Word. The psalmist said, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's one way to defeat the devil. There is one thing that will quench the fiery arrows of the evil one, and that is the power of the Word of God. That's why Jesus said to the devil, it is written, it is written, it is written. The devil can debate you all day long, but he cannot debate the accurately quoted Word of God. He will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Take up that Word that is the sword of the Spirit and wield it against the devil. I mean, slash him with the Word of God. And the fifth thing, avoid the scene of temptation. Listen carefully to me. Don't be stupid. If you struggle with alcohol, don't run around with people who are drinking. If you struggle with alcohol, don't go to a booze store to buy your Wonder Bread. If you struggle with alcohol, don't go to a bar for your lunch break. Don't be stupid. Be honest with yourself. And here's what you tell yourself. I know for a fact I cannot handle that situation. I know for a fact I can't handle it. Don't put yourself in a situation that you know you cannot handle. Listen to the Word of God. Proverbs 27, verse 12. A prudent person foresees danger. A prudent, wise person foresees danger. The simpleton, and I'm just going to paraphrase that, the stupid person goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. If you're struggling with overeating, don't do this right up here on the screen. Hello, everybody. 90% of defeating temptation is avoiding the scene. Avoid the scene. You know what you can and can't handle. Don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. You know what you can't handle. Don't go near it. Don't get around it. Stay 100 miles from it. And that'll take care of most of the power of the temptation. Amen. Can we stand together? <clears throat> temptation begins with a desire in you then it's baited by the enemy 
and you're enticed. If you give in, you bite the bait. When you bite the bait, you get hooked. When you get hooked, you get pulled against your will and end up in a lifestyle you did not intend on. The only way out is repent to God. I have sinned. I bit the bait. No one made me do it. No one forced me. I bit it. And when you do that, you are humbling yourself in the presence of the Lord. And He will reach down and He will break the chain that holds you. And then be smart. Father, thank you for showing us the anatomy of a temptation so that, Lord, wherever the cycle is in our own life, if it is, we can stop it, repent of it, turn to you for help, confess it to a friend, and break its power. I want to tell you by the Spirit of the Lord right now, there is nothing you've gotten into that you can't get out of. Yes, you're being dragged against your will. But I want to tell you right now, our God can cut the line. And our God can take the hook out of your soul. Hear me on that one. You're saying to yourself right now, but I have repented so many times, God's tired of hearing me. No, you're not. That's a lie. If he tells us to forgive someone 490 times in one day, he won't forgive you too? Do you repent and you get things right with God? And then you lean on Him. You go to someone. You talk to them. Devour the Word of God. Know that there is hope. I don't care if you've been in the, in the, the bondage, the stronghold for 30, 40 years. It can be broken. And I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for this precious people. Lord, you want your people free. You said your will was that we be free, set free by the truth. And now, Lord, I'm asking you to extend incredible grace to people who have been hooked by the hook and are being pulled against their will, dragged away. I pray that you will cut the line as they repent and remove the hook from their soul and let them truly go free indeed. Now, if this is you today, raise your hand and say, I receive this word. I receive this word over my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for that grace in Jesus' name. Can you say with me, I am free. Even if I'm still struggling, I'm free in the eyes of God. Give him a hand of praise, can you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.